Welcome, everybody. We got episode 15 today of Devil's Army Cast. Myself, James, and I'm with Chris. Just the two of us, as always, as it's been for a little bit now. Yo. And yeah, episode 15. I think you guys will be listening to this on August 31st. Uh, Jersey number 15, Devil's History. My favorite devil of all time, Jamie Langenbrunner. <laughs> I know you guys might be saying, oh, Jamie Langenbrunner. That's a weird favorite devils of all time, but... Um, yeah, that's, nah, that's I, my I dude. That's good. That's so, a good one. That's a good one right Yeah, that's there. my dude. Who uh, you got, Chris? Mr. Johnny Mac, John McLean. There you go. Mm-hmm. He's, still, uh, he's still coaching Arizona, right? Uh, yes, I believe he's out there with Rick Tockett. Yeah. Yeah. He's an assistant. So. Yeah, we all know after his uh, stint with the Devils Broadcasting crew, he went over and took that job as assistant coach for the Yotes. But yeah. He was before my time watching uh, Devils play, but he was a he was a heck of a player for the Devils. So, quick little rundown of what we'll be discussing today. As always, we got some current news for y'all. Not a lot going on, but actually, one big thing went on. But besides that, there wasn't much going on. Got a conference semifinals check in. Uh, after that, we're going to launch into our first part of our hefty Devils all season preview. As I talked about last episode, we want to get more away from the NHL as a whole, talking about like the playoffs and all that good stuff and move more towards the Devils and talk about why we're here. Devils Army guests, talk about the New Jersey Devils offseason, what we want to see them do, what they have to do, free agents, all that good stuff. It may sound a little bit like repeating ourselves because we've touched on some of these things, but... We want to come full circle here with the all season closing in, and we think it'd just be a good idea to have this episode, next episode, be basically a full breakdown. So, this episode, you'll be hearing a draft breakdown. We'll have a pending Devils specific free agent overview. We'll give a roster overview and depth chart, or like what, where we think the Devils are right now in terms of that aspect. We'll go over unrestricted free agent profiles. We got three of them for you today if you guys notice paying close attention to our social media pages we've released um three profiles i had two one on evgeny dadanov and one on tj brody and we also released one on centerman left wing mikhail granlin on saturday um chris will actually be talking about alex petrangelo today that's set to release on monday actually the same day you guys will probably be listening to this later in the day so after that, I'll just basically lay out again, like I did last episode, what to expect the next episode, what's coming up for us. So you guys are all in the loop with that. So without further ado, current news time, as we usually start her out. The first, the big thing I reference is we had a pretty big trade go down. A lot of pieces in this trade, mm-hmm. Toronto and Pittsburgh. Um, it was a one, two, three, four, five, six player deal. Toronto acquired the 15th overall pick in this year's draft. Evan Rodriguez, Philip Hollander, and current or uh, former Devil superstar David Warforski. Remember <laughs> when he spent some time with the Devils there a few years back? Um, oh, and then the Penguins acquired Caspier Kapanen, which is technically the biggest piece in this trade. A little bit more on him in a second. Jesper yeah. Lingren and Pontus Aberg. Um, Aberg's been in the league now for a few years. Um, he's more of a role guy. Um, he scratched on most nights, healthy scratch guy, but he could play a bottom, bottom role. Jesper Lingren. I don't know a whole bunch of, on him. He's a defenseman, Swedish D-man, been playing in the AHL. I'm assuming he has some NHL upside. I don't think he probably has much. Uh, maybe like a bottom pairing D-man, seventh defenseman, AHL guy, but don't quote me on this. Um, I don't know much about him. And last week, 
Kasperi Kapanen. Kapanen had 36 points in 69 games this year, 44 points in 78 the year prior. He's a 24-year-old. He's locked up. He, the Penguins have control over him, I think, for the next three years, and then he becomes a restricted free agent. No, he won't become a restricted free agent. Scratch that. He'll be at UFA when his contract ends. Um, looking at his analytics, I mean, they're fine. They're probably slightly above average. Nothing flashy. Uh for me, he's a top nine forward with top six upside on a decent team. On the really good teams, he's more of like a third line guy. I'm not a biggest fan as I think most people are when it comes to Kapanen. And I think the fact that he's on the younger side and he benefited from a pretty stacked uh, Toronto forward group kind of got people to overrate him a bit. Um, Chris, what's your opinion on Kapanen? I, I have no idea how, I mean, what you think he's- of Kapanen. I know we were concerned because of how loaded Toronto was. You know, does this reflect how good of a player he actually is? Regardless of that fact or not, he's getting put on a line with either Crosby or Malkin. So he's still going to be playing with phenomenal players. Um, I think I was confused when I first saw this move. Um, Not necessarily that it was made, but kind of like what was involved with it. Um, I figured it would be, you know, Toronto trying to address their cap situation, but it's really not much being canceled out. When well, I'm he, at it he's here. getting four mil. He's getting paid four million. That's a decent amount of bucks. Yeah, I thought I saw three point two for him and, and two for Rodriguez. I thought I saw that. Oh, if it's uh, three point two, I might be overstating a little bit. I think maybe it's like a three five or something like that. But I mean, you add that up, that's like five million off the cap. That's a pretty big jump taken off there and Toronto needs all that can get. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, it, it was definitely a cap move. I'm just trying to look at it again. And I don't know. I don't know if the, what I'm looking at, the details are off or whatever. I'm just looking at the cap numbers between Kapanen and Rodriguez and yeah. only like a mill or, you know, mill and a half apart. Um, so I, I think that's probably where the first rounder came in. Good for Toronto for getting that. I think, I think the Penguins gave up a lot yeah, uh, with regards to that first round pick, given where they are, I don't think Kapanen is a player that completely turns that team around. I think they have other areas they need to address. Um, just a just a weird trade. I didn't see it coming. Um, I mean, I definitely saw Toronto making moves this off season. I wasn't surprised that Kapanen was that move. I guess I'm just more surprised to see the Penguins were in on it and what they gave up. So. Yeah, so I'm looking at it now, and you are right. It's 3.2 million for Kapanen, and you get two another two million for Rodriguez. So that's 5.2 million coming off the books there. Um, or Rodriguez is going to. I'm confusing myself now. Um, yeah, that's what I was looking at. I'm like, if Rodriguez is going to Toronto. So you're right. It's 1.2 yeah. million that they're technically shaving off. So you are correct in saying that this doesn't seem as much as a cap move because they're not really shaving that off. So I was incorrect about that. You're right there. Um, and I also want to go back when I um, cap it in when his contract does expire in three years, will be a restricted free agent so the penguins will still have control over him after the 2021 22 season which i think the penguins thought was big and maybe why they gave up a lot here mm-hmm. so that's always big yeah you gotta um figure out i i think 
Toronto did a really good job here. We didn't oh, even yeah, talk sure. about they Philip Talander. He's probably one of the Penguins' top prospects, and he's doing great over in the SHL. He's a really good yeah. prospect. Evan Rodriguez is a guy that has really, really good fancy numbers and has been needing a change of scenery. He got the change of scenery and it was traded from Buffalo in the Connor Sherry trade that came over to Pittsburgh not that mm-hmm. long ago. He gets another change of scenery here. I think he's going to really perform well in Toronto. Um, that's just my opinion there. And the 15th overall pick in this year's draft is huge. Yeah. This draft is a really, really good draft class. So I think Toronto made out very, very, very Yeah, well. if I'm going to pick a winner, so, it's, it's definitely Toronto. Yes, yeah, definitely. So. so worth noting here is the New Jersey Devils were on Kapanen. We were in it the was reported. Yeah, Bob McKenzie reported – I think it was Bob McKenzie – reported that the Devils were in the talks. They didn't make a offer because – whatever reason but they didn't actually make an offer but they were I definitely checking in on Kevin. asking for too much basically yeah it definitely was and tom fitzgerald yeah. is a smart dude we've came to realize so that's that we'll move on now um Enough one other thing army cast yeah right <laughs> <laughs> one other thing news wise that we want to talk about is chris will take this part about the alex petrangelo situation over in st louis so go ahead chris so uh, obviously the biggest fish in free agency this year that's headlining free agency is going to be Alex Petrangelo. Um, Darren Dreger came out with a tweet uh, August 28th, uh, said it's believed the Blues made an offer this week early in in the process, but sounds like there will need to be a lot of work done to keep Petrangelo in St. Louis. Um, To me, I think Petrangelo would want to stay in St. Louis. Um, We know that I believe St. Louis is the only team that can offer him eight years if he goes anywhere else in terms of term. He can only get seven. Um, at the same time, you know, every athlete's trying to get paid for, for what they're worth. Um, and it's kind of a not-so-great situation, not just for Petrangelo, but all of these new UFAs, Taylor Hall is an, uh, another example, just kind of with uh, everything that's happened, how now we basically have a flat cap for – who knows how long that's going to change how general managers are allocating money. Um, I, I I think the Blues want to keep Petrangelo, but I don't think they want to pay him what he's worth. Um, I don't think it's, it's insanely far off, but I think the Blues just have a limit that they're not willing to cross. Um, they do have some defensive depth there already. They have Pareko, they have Kevin Falk, they, they have guys on the blue line. Um, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see, but it sounds like it's uh, far apart between the two parties right now, which means Petrangelo more than likely will be leaving St. Louis by those indications. Yeah. Um, I mean, isn't that always the case, though, that teams, they want to retain a player, but they don't want to pay what he's technically worth? And the Blues are another team that uh, are up against the cap here, yep. so they can't be going, throwing around money. I think ultimately he's going to walk, too, whether um, – whether St. Louis likes it or not, I think it's just the way the money is here. And with the salary cap, as it's well noted, and it'll be a big theme of today, how it's staying flat for the foreseeable future. That's going to really impact these teams like Arizona, Toronto, yep. Dallas, St. Louis. And uh, yeah, so that's you can't, that. You can't use the potential rising salary cap to help cushion big term or big dollar contracts. Yep. So, so, and something else that I didn't have in my notes, shame on us for not remembering this, but the Arizona Coyotes getting slapped with, uh, with penalties from their oh, yes. little scandal going on when Chaco was GM. They were 
illegally having players work out for them at the combine. I think it was, there was some type of fishy thing going on there. So they ended up getting a second round pick taken from them this year because of the devils having their first, uh, first round pick this year. So they took their second this year and they took their first round pick next year. Yep. So that is a very steep penalty for a team that doesn't even have the gym at the time. Chaka, he really did a number on them. Huh? <laughs> yeah, Chaka was already out of time. He's like, Geez. Yeah, so he did a number on them. And just a little, we'll go into a little Coyotes Army cast or, yeah, yeah Army yeah, cast Yotes, now. Yeah, Army cast. <laughs> yeah. So they're in major trouble here. I mean, mm-hmm. I know people said they're on the rise and all that. They do have some nice pieces, but I think a lot of people overrated them. Because of the fact that their goalie was just so darn good this year and made them look a lot better than they were. I mean, they couldn't put the puck in the net. They're as crazy as it sounds, their their like prospect, their farm system isn't all that great. I'm looking at the cap space now. They have their cap hit is at eighty five million right now, which Yeah, they're right up against it is actually above the upper limit right now. I guess they have, yeah, they have some LTIR, which is the long-term IR use. So that shaves the money down. They have no cap space. They're a mess. They're going to be a mess for the years to come, especially losing a couple picks now. So no, there's no, no way not they good in Phoenix. Taylor Hall either. They don't have the money. Yeah. So, so, and Taylor Hall is probably seeing all this and like, eh, you know, yeah. my goal here is to win. And so Yotes are At in trouble. At least they have stable ownership now. At least they have stable ownership. <laughs> yeah, that could but only yeah, do so much, though. It's going to take some time to kind of crawl out of this. It is going to so. take some time. So, All right, enough news. We uh, we got a long episode here for you guys coming up. So we're going to get into the conference semifinals now here. A little check-in, see how everything's going. As always, we'll start east, move out west. Tampa versus Boston. Finally, um, we're, seeing, we're seeing the theme of this round is the better teams that are playing better actually getting rewarded for it and winning the series currently. So Tampa's up in this series 3-1. They've definitely been the better team than Boston, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Tampa's just showing they're the deeper team. And I think... Yaro Halak, as good as he is, that whole having a backup plan for you situation is kind of catching up uh, to Boston a little bit. I mean, there's not much he could do. Tampa is outplaying them. They're controlling the play and the scoring yeah. chances. They also, Andre Vasilevsky has looked fantastic, which is absolutely huge for Tampa. And mm-hmm. Andre H. Palat had an absolutely huge game four. Oh, beast mode. <laughs> Yeah, he dominated there. So I'm always happy to see a Boston team get beat up. Um, Chris, right. if you want to talk about this series a little bit. Yeah, I mean, um, anything. I was disappointed game one with Tampa losing. Um, Tampa's kind of like my second team I'll, I'll cheer for. Even before we traded Coleman to them, uh, they've always been like a team that I've cheered for on the side. Um, but, I mean... The, yeah, Blake Coleman's been a beast too. Yeah, that whole line, uh, Coleman, Goudreau, and Gord have been phenomenal, paid dividends for Tampa, and it's made a difference night and day from how they played last year in the playoffs to this year. Um, I, I like how intense the series has gotten. Um, Tampa's up 3-1 now. Uh, Richie had a very, very late hit, dirty hit at the end of... Uh, the fourth game on Yacht yeah. board. That was yeah, that was bad. Horrible. And Boston fans trying to defend it and stuff. And yeah. like, I I saw people like putting out there like how Richie. And then after he laid the hit, he just beat the hell out of somebody. And the guy he didn't really want to fight him either. He was kind of just there 
and yeah. Richie just pummeled him and he was ducking over. So people thought, Oh, look at Richie. That's cool. Beating up on somebody like he made a real bad hit and tried beating up somebody that didn't want to get any part of it. So g- good for you, I guess, Richie, but yeah, <laughs> we I mean, keep going. the Tampa is just clearly, I'm just going to say they're the best team in the East and they are. If they're playing Vegas <laughs> I don't think it's relatively in the close. cup finals. I would say there's a chance they take Vegas down with the way they're playing right now against Boston. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, they're doing all of this without Stamkos. And, uh, Hedman supposedly who knows what's is, wrong? you know, yeah, who able knows to play what's... through whatever injury he's got. No. Um, Kucherov, he's not even scoring, but he's he's setting up the plays. He's basically getting an assist on almost every goal. I mean, this team is just so deep. And, I mean, once you get Stammer back, that's basically like having Ovi on your power play. You know, similar premise. Um, I, I'm just I'm enjoying the series. Uh, I like James said, seeing a seeing a Boston team lose does put a smile on my face. Um, nothing against you, Boston fans. It's just a uh, just like no, everything against scenery. you, Boston fans. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely starting to turn into that chippy series I was expecting from the start, where it was going to be a physical kind of beat 'em up kind of series. It's definitely taking that turn. So, moving on now to the Islanders Flyer series. Go ahead, Chris. You could get us started here. Um, so, Philly, another team where when they're losing, that puts a smile on my face. Yeah, hundred percent. What sport it is? I also uh, two uh, <laughs> two one in this series. By the way, let's go. Let's go, fish sticks. Um, yeah, I I think coming into this, I was very comfortable saying the Islanders would take this series over the Flyers, not just because we thought that the Flyers underperformed against Montreal, but just the the system that the Islanders were able to play with, just an overall team structure and system against the Capitals. And they're doing it still against uh, the Flyers. I mean, um, they're, they're up 2-1 in the series. Uh, I believe they the, the last game they played was last night, right? They lost last night. The Flyers lost us. Yeah, like, that's yeah, correct. The last game between those two was last night. They um, actually play again um, today, back to back. So, we'll, uh, when you guys hear this, this uh, the game game four now will have already occurred. So, I mean, the, there's just again, it goes back to there's no superstar on this team. I mean, you got Barzell, who's very talented, um, but there's no guy like a Patrick Kane or an Alex Ovechkin or a Nikita Kucherov. It's just a whole team game, and they're all very aggressive on the four check. Uh, they're very smart defensively and just capitalize on their opportunities. Uh, some Ben don't break hockey. Uh, and they can, you know, it's, it's working. Um, it's not been a very exciting series, I don't think, but it's worked. So I'm still pulling for the Islanders in this series. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens next round, you know. But I think uh, there's no reason the Islanders shouldn't be able to finish this series off. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said there. Um, the the theme for this series has been Carter Hart. I know <laughs> usually. Yeah, I know usually um, when you say the theme of the series is uh, on a team that's losing you're surprised, but Carter Hart's the only reason why um, the Flyers are at this point and the Flyers still have a chance every night. He's he's terrific as much as you don't want to say it. Being a Devils fan, Carter Hart's terrific. Um, it's the Islanders just doing their thing, though. Like Chris explained, they're playing their type of hockey. Uh, they're dominating the Flyers, actually, in terms of scoring chances and quality opportunities. It's not even usually when the Islanders play, they may give... 
they may not be getting the quantity, but they're always getting the quality. The series are getting both. The Flyers aren't helping out Hart at all. It should be 3-0. I know the Islanders made a crazy comeback in that game. I think that was game two. Yeah, it was game two when it went to overtime. But, I mean, the Islanders were the far better team that that game. They should have won that one. They should be up 3-0. But whatever happened, happened. Uh, we get game five tonight. And hopefully the Islanders go up 3-1. We will see. So um, We'll move out west now. And we got the Vegas-Vancouver series. Vancouver was able to steal game. Um, I, I don't know how they keep doing it, but they steal game <laughs> here or there. Vegas has been the strongest team throughout the whole playoffs. I know you could argue Tampa, uh, Tampa but I mean, Vegas' numbers. And it's Vegas hasn't played really anyone tough so far. They've gotten yeah. the benefit of the doubt there, which is why you could say they've been the best team so far. But, um, yeah, Vegas just doing their thing. They're dominating the series. The only thing that brought them down is Robin Leonard wasn't good in game two. But besides that, he has shutouts in game one and three. So he's been yeah. great overall. Um, Mark Stone is a very good hockey player as well. Game one, he tore up. He had a goal and assist. And he had a goal in game three. That was – I know at the time people were questioning that trade a little bit because uh, Vegas gave up Eric Brandstrom, which is going to be a – terrific defenseman over in Ottawa but Mark Stone I'll say I say it again and again how underrated he is of a player and how he's one of the best forwards in the whole mm-hmm. entire league and more people have to talk about it but um, that game game four is tonight as well so once again you guys will be hearing this after that game so if Chris if you want to talk anymore on this series I mean I, I expected the Canucks to put up a little bit of a fight um Vegas had probably the best response you could have in terms of a game three shutout. Um, I I know I said originally that I could see this series going seven, potentially like six or seven being a deeper series. Um, and I, I still think that's the case, but I don't know. It's hard. Vancouver has a very good, I would say top six, um, and their defense is led by Quinn Hughes, and, and Tanev benefits from playing with Hughes. He's brought out a better side in Tanev's game. But yeah, I but think about, about that, their defense and all that great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the talent's really comparable. I know nothing to take away from Quinn Hughes and Bill Horvath, Besser, mm. Pedersen, but outside of those guys, I mean, Tyler Toffoli's fine. They're Vancouver's defense isn't great. Um, once again, they're a beneficiary of good goaltending, and Markstrom hasn't yeah. been all that great this series. I mean, there's not much you could do when Vegas is throwing all they throw at them on a nightly basis, but still, um, yeah. I, I don't. Vancouver's not even the same boat as these guys. Vancouver's not in the same boat as most of the teams in this playoffs. They're lucky to be here. They've gotten outplayed the first two series, and I'll keep on saying it and keep on saying it. But that's that. Um, big Vegas Golden Knight fans as Devils fans. Um, that <laughs> draft pick the Devils got – from Vancouver, um, well, from Tampa via Vancouver, is going to mm-hmm. be at 20th overall unless Vancouver advances to the Western Conference Finals. So let's hope Vegas continues yes. their domination here. Last series, Colorado versus Dallas, probably the most ex- uh, ex- surprising one and by far the most entertaining. Mm-hmm. So there was three games in the series, 17 goals in these three games. Goaltending seems to be non-existent, and although there are two solid backups in Anton Kadobin as well as Pavel Frankos, Ben Bishop is still not back, correct? No. So, yeah, Kadobin and Frankos, I guess 
you kind of expected it to happen at some point. But, I mean, this series has been kind of crazy. Uh, it's a 2-1 Dallas lead now. The next game is also tonight. So, big game tonight. Dallas take a 3-1 lead. I think they'll be fine. But then if Colorado ties it up, this is a whole new series. This is how it usually goes. I don't think either team can beat uh, Vegas. I thought Colorado had a chance, but Colorado just has not looked good this yeah, series, whether it was yeah. losing Grubauer did it to him, or Grubauer. I, I don't know, but Colorado hasn't looked great. So, um, I yeah, I, I don't think either one's going to have a chance. I think I don't that know. might have been what it was. So, I mean, they were, they were down in game three, too. Uh, I think they were up. Dallas made it like 4-2 or something, and then Colorado made it like 6-4 or something. Uh, it's, it was something along those lines. It was a back-and-forth like ping-pong game for game three. Um, we'll see what happens if Colorado can turn around, but I think they might have just got overly confident. Uh, might have overlooked the stars, at least the start of the series, and we'll see if that ends up biting them or not. So. Yeah, so, hey, a little prediction check-in. Knock on wood, I'm perfect right now. Every every pick, uh, team I picked with these four four series are up in the series. I know I cheat a little bit with that Dallas pick, but you know what? We're not going to talk about that. So. <laughs> we'll move on now to the big chunk of our next two episodes, the Devils offseason preview. Um, I'll give you a little explanation what to expect here. We'll start this episode with a draft preview. Um, we'll start with a pending Devils free agent overview, uh, what to expect there, what type of contracts we expect these guys to get, who we want to see them bring back, etc. Then we're going to talk about some free agent. Uh, we're going to talk about a roster overview, which we'll get into the team depth chart. We're going to talk about who we think is a lock for the roster, who we think should make the roster, and who's going to be fighting for the spots in camp. Go through, look at the roster after we do this, see where the team has some um, hypothetical holes, where they need to fill. Before we get into how they're going to fill those holes, we're going to talk about a couple of free agent profiles that me and Chris have worked on. And then next episode, we'll g- really get into the top free agents, see who the devil should bring in, address free agency, maybe talk about if there's any trades we want to see the devils make. Um, that'll pop up a couple of times. And then lastly, this will be next episode. We're going to have like an armchair GM segment, have a little fun here, play NHL 20, NHL 21, um, fill out this devil's roster, how we think the devil should go about filling it out, uh, give our best possible depth chart, um, what moves we want to see them make. So we're going to have a little fun with that next episode. So we'll start this whole preview off with a draft breakdown. I know me and Chris have probably talked about this a few times now, how we think the Devils should approach a draft. Um, I'll start first here, and I've said this so many times, how the Devils need to draft a forward with picks 17 and 18. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, before we get into this let me just explain this one more time devils are locked in to have pick number seven number 18 who they received from the arizona coyotes those two are set in stone pick 20 is the canucks pick which i just spoke about is looking like it's going to be 20 unless something weird happens and canucks upset vegas then i'll drop but if the vegas doesn't make the western conference finals that's going to stay at 20 so (laughs) now you know where the picks are talk more about it pick seven and 18 or at least two of these three picks, and it can't be pick or it has to be pick seven, need to be forwards. Yes. Gotta be forwards. The forward depth is too good in this class. And believe it or not, I know some Devils fans don't want to hear this. The Devils defensive system depth is stronger than its forward depth. Devils are missing these uh, premier uh, forward talent in their system. They got Kevin Ball, they got Ty Smith, they got uh, Jesus, uh, Riley Walsh as their premier 
defensive prospects, and they got a pretty deep system with the likes of Vojcic, um, those guys uh, oh, that they drafted. Yeah, that that dude um, that they drafted in the 2019 draft, that like huge run of defensemen they took in the mid rounds there. So their D depth is really good. Not really good, but it's pretty good in their system. It's better than their forward depth. So the forwards need to be addressed here. Mm-hmm. So seven and 18 or seven and 20 both need to be forwards. Uh, Chris, I think you agree here. Is there anything you want to add in terms of how they should go about this first round? No, I agree. Uh, seven definitely has to be a forward. Mm-hmm. Um, in my notes, and we'll go into this a little bit more, 18 and 20, one of those has to be a forward, at least. Um, but, you know, if they go defenseman, I'm not going to be upset to see a defenseman taking an 18 and a forward at 20 just because the picks are so yeah, close together. Yeah, agree. If it was more of like what we were hoping for originally, where it was like 7 and 11, then I would have said 7 has to be a forward, 11 has to be a forward, and then you pick a B with, you know, whatever. But since the, those picks are basically almost back-to-back, um, I don't mind if, you know, you go D forward for 18-20 or forward D. But it has to be only one defenseman in the first round. Uh, like you said, the Devils are stacked in the system with defense. I know fans are looking at the team now and they're saying, where is it? We need it. Um, it it's in the system, guys. And I'm going to be real with you. Any player, even if they take three defensemen in the first round, it's going to be the same situation. They're still going to be developing uh, – all these defensemen that the Devils have that we're talking about, they've been drafted, you know, a year or two back, and they've been developing. It's not like we take three defensemen and they just show up on our roster day one and we're, you know, winning the cup. It's, that's just not going to happen. Forwards develop faster than defensemen do. That's why our defensive pool for prospects is a lot stronger and has a lot of potential. Just hang in there and be patient. You're not seeing it at the NHL level, but it's there. Yeah, um, you you just nailed the head hundred uh, nailed the head hundred percent there. Everything you said there with the regard to the defenseman. Thing I did want to mention here that pick twenty. I guess you could even talk about eighteen since they're so close. Like you said, don't be surprised if you see the Devils move one of those picks for an NHL level talent. You, could, yeah. you have a ton of teams here you could take advantage of because they're so strapped with the salary cap remaining constant. You got the Lightning, you got the Vegas Golden Knights, Arizona, Toronto, Vancouver, Chicago all are going to have cap issues. You approach them with that first round pick. You could definitely work something out, maybe even take back somebody from them to uh, alleviate the cap situation there. So that's something worth mentioning as well. We'll probably touch upon that um, with the next episode. We'll talk a little bit about people the Devils could target via trade in these situations. So let's move on now, and we're going to go through pick 7, pick 18, pick 20, and we'll give the prospects that we want the Devils to possibly investigate taking here, who are number 1 choices, number 2, etc., and also some players we don't want the Devils to pick here. So I'll start us off with pick 7. Uh, my number 1 target here is Marco Rossi. Um, at 7, you're not going to see – let's knock some players you're not going to see. You're not going to see Alexis Lafreniere. You're not going to see Tim Stutzel. You're not going to see Quentin Byfield. Those three you definitely won't see. After that, it kind of gets a little um, – anyone could go. It's hard to get a consensus here. Yeah. Rossi probably won't be there. He's probably going to go before this pick. My second choice here would be Lucas Raymond. He probably won't be there. The mm-hmm. reason why I have Rossi above Raymond, a lot of people probably have this switch. 
Raymond's the better two-way forward, but Rossi's offensive potential is absolutely insane. He tallied, I believe, is like 120 points this year in the OHL. And his defensive game isn't all that bad either. It's not as complete as Lucas Raymond. Uh, Raymond's also the better skater, but uh, offensive potential here for Rossi. The Devils have been missing that pure scorer for such a long time, whether it be racking up goals, racking up assists, and Marco Rossi fills that hole. So after those two, I have Cole Perfetti third here. Um, probably another... Question mark. Uh, Cole Perfetti, his offensive upside is just as good as Marco Rossi, and Perfetti's the better goal scorer. Perfetti's defense is the work in progress, and that's the only real downside to Perfetti's game. Perfetti is also on the smaller side, uh, but I love Cole Perfetti. Um, my fourth option here would be Jamie, Jamie Drysdale. Drysdale is someone I don't think will be available in this spot. But if he is, you do have to think about taking him. He has a lot of talent, but he is overrated for this class just because he is the best defenseman and the top part of this draft does not have defensemen in it outside of Drysdale and uh, Sanderson. So in return, Drysdale is being overrated. I think Rossi Raymond and Perfetti are all better players than Drysdale. That's just my opinion, but he would be my fourth choice. And my fifth would be the electrical scorer, Alexander Holtz. The reason why I have Holtz kind of low and a lot of people prefer Holtz in the spot and Holtz is probably the most reasonable person in with the seventh overall pick, all the guys I just listed might be gone by this point, besides maybe Perfetti. Holtz's goal scoring ability is elite. It's the best in the draft. Uh, make no mistake about that. Holtz does need to work on his defensive game um, and his skating ability a little bit. But Alexander Holtz is a great prospect at all uh, as well. So, Chris, go ahead. Give your uh, take here with the seventh pick. Yeah, so I had a, a list that was pretty similar to yours. Um, I did have Rossi first. Um, mm-hmm. Cole Perfetti, I had him second. Uh, when it came to, you know, three through five, I, uh, I also had Raymond there as well. Uh, Holtz, I had right behind him. And then my fifth, I was looking at Jack Quinn from the Ottawa 67s. At and, the 7th, huh? Yeah. And wow. the thing for me is I firmly believe in going best player available. But in this situation, it it bothers me because I don't want the Devils taking a defenseman at seven here. I, I don't. Um, you would uh, you'd prefer <laughs> a Jack Quinn over an Anton Lundell? Uh, potentially, because this is the other part that was eating at me too. Is like I, I believe in best player available is who you have to take, but we already have Jack and Nico down the center. And okay, in my yeah. opinion, I'm like if we're gonna take a guy who's a centerman who would be like a first or second line center on any other team, but he's going to end up being like a third liner potentially with us, you know, to me, it's like, that's, that's great while we have him, but uh-huh. does it end up turning into a little bit of a waste of a pick? And that's when I started looking at wingers and I'm like, okay, well, Raymond's got a great skill to a game. Seth Jarvis. Holtz is a great, yeah. Seth Jarvis is another one. Uh, Jack Quinn, you know, Jack Quinn and, and Holtz both have great shots. Uh, they're both shooters. They're scorers. Yeah, their goal scoring abilities um, are insane. That's why, it, that's why I'm like kind of torn on this pick because I, I believe Rossi and Perfetti is where you go if you're going best player available. But those two guys are centers and we already have basically our top two locked down for like a while. Hey, you like, can like never have third uh, and fourth centers we could easily pick up in free agency. You could so, have, uh, never have as many, uh, you can never have too many centermen. So. Mm. I agree, but, and, and I think, you know, I just – I'm thinking about it at the seven spot. If, if it's like 18 or 20 and we take a center, maybe that's a little bit different. Okay. But yeah, just no, all I, the talent I, that's available at seven, it's like 
best player available, but at the same time, we really need a scoring winger more than we need like another playmaker or like you know a, okay. a, a third centerman when we can get a third or fourth line center easily through free agency. Yeah, so I, I'm surprised you said Jack Quinn. I have Jack Quinn all the way down at 16 on my board. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have a top 30 prospect list I've released on the page. You guys could take a look at it. Yeah. I've written a profile for all the guys in the top 30, in my opinion, um, ranked them as well. I have uh, I have Quinn at 16, and then Rodion Amirov's uh, winger, um, Russian winger. I have him at 15. I have Noah Gundler, who's mm-hmm. another winger, at 14. Dawson Mercer, another winger at 13, and then Jarvis, who's a winger as well, at 11. Anton Lundell's a centerman, um, really good two-way player. If the Devils Coyotes pick was earlier, that's someone that could, they could have targeted there, but unfortunately it's not. So, yeah, that's yeah. our guys here with the seventh pick. I basically we'll looked around at like, uh, <laughs> different mock drafts and prospect rankings, trying to see like where the commonalities are, like what area are these guys going in. And it just goes to show that at the end of the day, none of us really know what exactly is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll move on to the 18th pick now. Uh, go ahead. Get us started here. We'll take turns. Um, so uh, I I just basically lumped these guys in together for 18 and 20. Uh, I didn't do like a separate list for each pick, but uh, I had Seth Jarvis there. If he falls in your list. Um, I also had if the Devils were going to take defensemen. Uh Caden Gooley or Braden Snyder if they're available. Um, also, some more forwards I had. Uh, Dylan Holloway, uh, he's going to be playing at Wisconsin. Um, yeah, he's in his second year, I think. Yeah, he plays center, left wing, right wing. He, he plays basically any forward position. Uh, Maverick Bork, another centerman. And then, as you mentioned, uh, Amaral before, the winger from Russia. Um, only thing that would scare me away from Holloway specifically is uh, I do not like drafting college players. <laughs> um, I like the NCAA. I think it's a, that a lot of players should go through there, but it's more to do with the way the current CBA is structured. I don't like how you can draft a college player. They don't sign their deal and then they basically become a free agent and you've wasted your pick. I, I hate that. And I wish the NHL would, would fix that. in like an upcoming CBA, I'm just, I'm done seeing it where these guys, you know, get drafted while they're in college, don't sign a contract, and then they just become free agents. You know, I, I yeah, we've that's, uh, that's why I'm not huge. Like, I love college hockey <laughs> and college hockey players, I just don't like drafting them. So, yeah, we've seen uh, the devil's benefit from that rule and get hurt by the rule yeah. with uh, Alexander Kerfoot walking from the team going to the abs. And that's funny, well, we this butcher. is we got butcher from the abs. So, um, yeah, that's what that rule. So, Dylan Holloway, interestingly enough, had a I have him on my board at 20. He had a very not good year at Wisconsin, which is funny to say because Wisconsin absolutely loaded with talent. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin just wasn't good this year for whatever reason. Um, yeah. Dylan Holloway, I think he has a limited ceiling, but I, he's something Dallas could look at in these situations. I have him at 20 and Dallas have 20th pick. At 18, I have Seth Jarvis, who I'm praying is going to be there. Just Seth yeah, Jarvis I, is I, very I, underrated for Jarvis. some reason. He's an offensive stud. He plays the wing too, which exactly what the Devils need. Like I said, it's probably a little, little unrealistic to say he'll be here, but who knows? Maybe he falls. Dawson Mercer's another guy, another wing. Um, him and Jarvis are kind of similar players, both really good scorers. Dawson Mercer has elite stick handling. It's crazy to watch him stick handle, but um, yeah, Dawson Mercer to another guy. This is an order too. So Jarvis number one, Mercer number two for 18th pick. I got Noah Gunler. He's a Swede 
um, winger. He plays over in the SAHL. Gunler is uh, he's probably a riskier pick here, but if he his upside is unreal, this kid he could be an elite an elite goal scorer scorer at the next level. However, like I said, high ceiling, a little bit of a lower floor. So he's a more of a riskier pick. I do have Jack Quinn listed here. I think this is more of his taste of where he could possibly Mm be um, going. Like I said, I have him a little lower, but Jack Quinn's a great goal scorer. He'd be a great for the Devils. Many people do not like Jack Quinn and I don't really, I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not buying into this, hatred around Jack Quinn. They say he played for the Ottawa 67s. Yeah. Ottawa 67s are a juggernaut of a team. Probably benefited a little bit, but I mean, you watch him. He has an electric goal scoring ability. Um, pretty good defensively. He's an all-around player. He'd be a great candidate for the devil to pick. He at also 18. didn't play with Rossi on the same line. They literally only played with each he other. He didn't. Power play. And I mean, you could be, it doesn't matter what team you're on. If you've got a great shot, you've got a great shot. Like, if you know where you got to be if you have that hockey sense and you have the shot it doesn't matter what team you're on that's something that you know I, I get the argument the 67s were loaded but I don't think it necessarily applies to Quinn in this case because of the skill set that we're analyzing him on. yeah well uh, you're correct in saying he didn't play with Rossi but they also had really good forwards yeah. up and down their lineup too so uh, but yeah I don't fully buy that argument as well they are going defensemen. I have Caden Gooley as my number one ranked defenseman yes. out of yes. the Gooley Schneider uh, O'Rourke train. I also really like Braden Schneider and Ryan O'Rourke. Uh, Schneider's probably yeah, one of the agree. safest picks in the first round. He's going to be a solid, definitely a top six D man, maybe a top four guy at one point, defensive defenseman. Caden uh, Gooley, more both sides of the ice. Uh, O'Rourke could also contribute both sides of the ice, but. Um, all three solid defensemen there. Um, so, yeah, we'll trickle down to the 20th pick now. I have Jack Quinn as my first choice here. So, if you want to do a little summary here, my my absolute ideal situation for the Devils, very probably unrealistic, is Marco Rossi, Seth Jarvis, and then Jack Quinn or Caden Gooley. Uh, very probably unrealistic, but... Quinn, then Gulley, Schneider, O'Rourke. Connor Zari is another guy. He'll probably be gone well before this. I'm not as high on Connor Zari as most. Zari could go as early as like top 12, top 13. Uh, I just didn't see it. I had them 21st on my board. Jacob Peralt's another guy. Yeah, he's a centerman. Have him 22nd on my board. Solid player. At 20, possibly, if a lot of these guys I'd rather have taken are gone. And then Lucas Reichel's another kid. He's probably going to be later in a draft later first round pick but he's an electric uh, german born winger another option here at 20 if the devils want to go with another uh forward here so chris you could give us your option oh well you said you kind of lumped them all in correct yeah i mean if, I, if i'm gonna pick you know i would be happy to see us take raymond at seven jarvis at 18 and then 20 either Gooley or uh jack quinn that, that would be oh, ideal. Sounds like me. me. So, yeah. <laughs> so, we're on the same page here, yeah. which is good. So, theme here. You guys all heard it. Two forwards, maybe even three forwards. Yes. And yes. at the very least, one defenseman. Um, at, at the most. <laughs> at the most, one defenseman. At the most, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, at the most, one defenseman. So, 
Uh, yeah, and as we mentioned before, don't be surprised if you see the Devils move either the 18th or 20th to fill out one of these holes they have. We're going to talk about on their depth chart. That'd be a good move as well. But yeah, draft class, it's absolutely loaded this year. If there was a year one of three first overall picks or three first round picks, this would be the year. Very exciting. Draft is a win again, Chris, October 13th, something like that. 19th. I'm sure. I don't know if it's going to get moved again you know the no i think it's pretty tentative so oh is it tentative yeah well they 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 say tentative in quotes you know in case it changes they can be like oh we didn't say we said so yeah so so that's our draft segment i know we kind of went more in depth there but don't you worry you'll hear more draft talks in the weeks coming up i'm hopefully we'll get a guest on for you guys to talk more about the uh draft in depth once we get closer and approach we'll have like we'll probably have a full-blown draft episode once we get closer or like maybe give a little like throw a little mock draft at you the mm-hmm. devil's army cast mock draft you know a more in depth like nhl wide draft aspect we'll go more talk about the devils when it gets closer all that fun stuff that'll definitely be an episode and then we'll have a draft recap episode so stay tuned for that We'll move now to the Devils pending free agents, unrestricted and restricted overview. Now, we did talk about each of these guys throughout these episodes. I don't know if you all recall, but we had a little segment in there where we talk about a couple at a time, what we want to see them brought back, if we want to see them brought back, and we checked in, see how they were performing. We just want to bring it full circle now, talk about these guys all in a pretty brief um, section, reiterate who we want to see brought back, who we don't want to see brought back, and at what price. So we'll start at the unrestricted free agents. Luckily for the Devils, there's not any big names here, unrestricted wise. Yeah. Brandon Baddock, uh, HLer, um, tough guy. We spoke about him a little bit. I wouldn't mind seeing him come back. Uh, it wouldn't bother me at all if he didn't. He's, yeah, I'm indifferent on it. Yeah, he's a dude that he'll. he's not an NHL. He's going to be career, career AHLer, uh, bring that tough presence, protect those guys on the ice. For some reason, they had him skating on the first line this year in Binghamton, which he had no business doing. He's not that type that should be up there. He was skating alongside uh, Michael McLeod and Nathan Bastin, and Nathan Bastin's a tough guy in his own right. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really understand that. So I'm going to say a no here on Baddock just because the game's changing, and I know AHL usually want that one tough guy, but you got Nathan Bastin down there, so I don't think having Baddock backs – um, all that wise, especially when you got a lot of talent coming through the uh, pipeline. You yes or no on Baddock, Chris? Um, I, I mean, like I said, I'm kind of indifferent on it. You know, uh, I don't think it'll hurt to bring him back, but I'm not going to be upset if we don't. So, yeah. So that's Baddock. Our boy Kevin Rooney is another name here. Kevin Rooney, um, unfortunately, is not all that good at hockey. So, um, no, I'm being mean. But no, Kevin, in all seriousness, Kevin Rooney could probably serve as a fourth line guy in a, on a not that great hockey team. The Devils are trying to become a better hockey team. So I don't know if having Kevin Rooney in the lineup every day is all that great of an idea. They could definitely have Pavel Zalka in that fourth line centerman role. No need for Kevin Rooney to be serving there. They also have other options. At this point, I'd rather see Mike McLeod get more run there. I know McLeod struggled a little bit. Yeah. Um, he'd pref- uh, be better option than Kevin Rooney here. Rooney, if you want, you bring him that back and you send them down and let them play in the AHL. I don't think the Devils have the uh, <laughs> are able to do that for whatever reason. So for that reason, I am going to say please pass on Kevin Rooney and let him walk in the offseason. Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Rooney's good as like a fourth-line player, but there's 
there's other guys that need to see the ice, like you mentioned, McLeod, uh, Cini as well. I mean, these guys are basically at points where we basically need to see what they have to see what their future is at this point. Um, you know, we also have uh, I'm drawing a blank here, Merkley as well. So there's there's a lot of guys competing for that fourth line uh, role. Um, I think Rooney is absolutely at least a fourth line player on on any NHL team. Um, but I think the Devils would be smart to move on. Yeah. So Ben Street is the next guy, and Ben Street is a guy I do want to see the Devils bring back. Um, Street's first year with Binghamton. He was a scoring machine, forty two points, forty nine games. He's a veteran presence. He's in his thirty now. He's been around uh, the block for a little while. Each AHL team needs that one veteran that seems like been in the AHL forever. The Devils had that in uh, Rod Pelly. For a long time, not too long ago, Tim Sestito was also a guy that was around for a while, veteran presence. Um, I say you bring Street back, you throw the C on his chest, and uh, that's that, and you let him play down there again. He's good, good centerman, good veteran leadership there down there. I'm all for bringing Ben Street back. So on a two-way contract down in Binghamton. I agree. Cool. You put it perfectly. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. Uh, so moving on now, Frederick Clayson, uh, defenseman who the Devils acquired in a Sammy Votnin deal, played with uh, the Devils' small stint. He's He didn't do bad. I mean, he was pretty good. He he exceeded expectations for me. Uh, I, I'm all for the Devils bringing him back in a seventh D-man role, AHL-type mm. guy. And now the Devils' seventh D-man role is getting a little clogged up with Connor Carey. Yeah. Um, Mirko Mueller, if they even think about bringing him back, he's a RFA. They could bring him back if they want. Um, now, if they, for whatever reason, decide to bring Mueller back, and Clayson's a better player than Mirko Mueller. Uh, not very hard to do, but um, he is a better player than Mueller. I think Clayson's probably better at Carrick as well, and Carrick's under contract, so he will be back. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind. I want Clayson be back if they don't bring Mueller back. If they bring Mueller back, it's okay to let Clayson walk. But ultimately, I do want to see Clayson back. So, Chris. yeah, I, I agree. I think you bring back Clayson, and as you mentioned, we're kind of getting the log jam on that seventh D position. Um, honestly, what I would do bring bring them all back, um, go through training camp, and then evaluate from there. Always you know, stick them in the AHL. Yeah, you know, have some depth, or who knows, maybe there's a team who, who would be interested on them. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's best to bring them all back, let them all compete, show what they got, and then go forward from there. But I would definitely yeah. bring back Clayson. So, uh, Julian Malchiori is the next unrestricted free agent. Not much to talk about here because Mr. Malchiori, good for him, signed in the KHL. We talked about this a few episodes, so he's not going to be back regardless. He was good for the Devils for one season. Wish him all the luck over in Russia. Dakota Mermis, the merman, um, played yes. actually a valuable role for the Devils yeah, down the line. Yeah, he was pretty solid. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't all that uh, – he wasn't bad. He was – like you said, he's, he was fine. Um it just comes back to the fact that there's too many defensemen and the fact that the Devils have a lot of defensemen working their way up in the system that are going to need playing time in the NHL. I ultimately said no to bringing Dakota Mermis back. He is getting – he's not old, but for mm-hmm. a guy like Dakota Mermis, who's more of a filler-in type guy, he's 26 years old, which is not old by any mark, but he's getting up there for a guy that's – you you get what I'm trying to say, like yeah, it's like a, it's like a make it or break it point. 
Yeah, and I think he's past that point. He's more of a guy that's a filler in and a filler in with the logjam seventh D man and in the AHL you got talented young kids coming up. It's a no for me on Dakota Mermis. So Chris? Yeah, I mean I'm I'm bringing him back in this situation. I mean I, I mentioned bring everyone back, have him compete for that seventh D spot. Um but at the same time, it gives you some some cushion too, in case uh, you know the defensive prospects they're not ready to take that next step yet, which would be unfortunate. You don't have to force them uh, into the lineup and force them uh, with their development. Obviously, this excludes Ty Smith. I fully expect Ty Smith to be on the team next year. But yeah, he is. You know, no I expect I would I would bring these guys back. Let him compete for a seventh spot. It gives you some flexibility if, you know, there's guys who aren't ready in terms of development yet. And then, like I also mentioned, maybe some guys play well in the, in the preseason or training camp, catches the eye of another team, and you do some great asset management. I mean, that's that's basically what you got to be as a GM. You got to be great with your assets. So Yeah. Last unrestricted free agent that we'll have is Zane McIntyre. He was a goalie that was acquired this year in the Louis Domingue trade, one-for-one trade. McIntyre came over to Binghamton, and his save percentage was 9.77. I mean, sample size was really small. I think it was like four games, but he played very well. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, this just comes back down to the Devils have a decent amount of goalies in their system already. Well, so NHL, you got Mackenzie Blackwood, and you don't really have much else. You need to address that via free agency, which we'll talk about more. You go to the AHL, they have Gilly Sen. Um, they have possibly Corey Schneider if they don't buy him out. So for now, we'll say Schneider's in the AHL. And then you have Akira Schmid and Evan Cormier. So that's a pretty um, crowded crowded uh goaltender room in the mm-hmm. AHL. It really depends what you do with Schneider year. If you buy Schneider out, maybe you bring McIntyre to be that veteran presence with Cormier, Schmid, and Gilly Sen. Uh, you probably do want a veteran down there, but for me, for me, if Schneider is brought back, it's a it's a hard no. I'm bringing McIntyre back. There's just no room for him. If Schneider walks, then I think you bring McIntyre back. Um, just because then you'll have that veteran. Then you'll have three goalies down in Binghamton. You'll have Gilly Sen, who's going to see your bulk of the load this year. He played a lot last year, did okay, turned around the second half. He's your number one down there. You could have McIntyre as your second or your third, and then you have either Akira Schmidt. I don't know if he'll be ready yet, Yeah, but if he is, then he's your third, and if not Schmidt, then you have Evan Cormier. So that's that. So Chris, hear your opinion on Schmidt. Yeah, I agree on bringing or back McIntyre. McIntyre. I'm sorry. Um, I think it's it's important to have that goalie depth. Um, we saw it, you know, kind of a year or two ago, back when it was Schneider and Kincaid. We had some of these guys coming up because uh, they were getting hurt. Um, and who knows what the Devils are, are thinking about uh, Askarov in the draft. I know they put out no, no, a brief no, no, little no. tweet saying, like, that they, you know, let's look at his profile. And I'm like, okay, they, they – might be like no. entertaining in their head, but no, if uh, teams, somehow they teams just it. do that. <laughs> yeah, teams just release those profiles. They released yeah. one on Alexis Lafreniere earlier, so I, it just I don't teams see doing the teams things. Picking him, but you, you just you never know. Um, and if they do, I it better not. Yeah, just no, not so. not early in the draft at least. Um, but yeah, I I, I agree with bringing back McIntyre. I think it's good to have depth in the system uh, down in the minors, especially because they treat it differently. I'm pretty sure they dress three goalies at a time, don't they? They have to be dressed. I don't think or they, they have, have three, three on the dressed, roster. But the three's on the yeah. roster, correct. Yeah, there's that three is on correct. the roster. So, I mean, 
I, I for me, he's kind of the uh, like we talk about with Street, but just with the goaltending position. Yeah, I agree there. Um, it all depends what they do with Schneider. That's a very interesting, yeah, interesting thing to follow. So moving on to restricted free agents now. There's not a lot, a ton to talk about here, just because restricted free agents. It's pretty simple. For guys that are more AHL level or those very, very low-level NHL guys, um, you're going to tender them, qualify them, which basically means um, you So you, you tender them and then their new salary, if they sign the tender, if they're making less than 600 k which I don't believe any of these guys I'm about to name are, then they get 110% of their base salary next year. If they're making between 660k to 1 million, which all the guys I'm about to talk about are, they're going to get 105% of their base salary, whatever it was. And if, and this goes up to a million, so the most these guys can make next year is 1 million dollars, but it's 105% of their base salary, whatever it was last year, cannot exceed 1 million. And if they're making a million or more, it's 100% of their base salary, which none of these guys I'm about to read to you are. Uh, maybe Marco Mueller is. No, he isn't. Sorry. So the restricted free agents that Devils have are Joey Anderson, Jesper Bratt, John Hayden, Nick Merkley, Brett Sini, Josh Jacobs, Mirko Mueller, Colton White, and Mackenzie Blackwood. So looking at this list right here, bring them all back besides John Hayden and Mirko Mueller. You you uh, share that same opinion? I would say you could let Hayden go. Um, Mueller... I would bring him back to compete for that seventh D-man role. And then, like I said, once training camp is over, reevaluate. Um, more importantly, out of this list, I think if you're Fitzgerald, uh, Bratt, and Blackwood, at least you need to look at trying to get a long-term deal done with them. They're going to get value, the um, – Yeah, so we'll talk about that now. Um like I said, there's not much more to talk about with Anderson, um, Hayden. We both agree we shouldn't be brought back. Nick Merkley, Brett Sini, Josh Jacobs, uh, Mirko Mueller. I don't want to see brought back. I have enough Mirko Mueller for my liking. Um, Chris said he wouldn't mind seeing him brought back and Colton White. So those guys, they're going to fall into that 105% of base salary. Um that's what they'll make next year if they sign their tender, which they all ultimately do in the end, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't see the Devils making any longer-term deals with them. The two that you really turn your eyes to now is Jesper Bratt and Mackenzie Blackwood. Both of those guys, in my opinion, are probably going to end up getting three-year deals. Um, that's usually the sweet spot here. You don't want to do anything longer than that because uh, if something happens to them and the players mm-hmm. are going to want to be free. Uh, so if you do a three-year deal, they'll be a restricted free agent when after the contract expires. It's just the players don't want to sign too much longer than that because then sometimes they could screw themselves out of money and the devils as an organization don't want to screw themselves. It's like, God forbid, something happens to Brat or Blackwood, something happens there. So a three-year deal is usually kind of sweet spot for this. And you saw this with Miles Wood. Didn't he sign a three-year deal? He had like a back and forth that went into training camp, like arbitration. I think they settled like right before the hearing or whatever. Or maybe they did, did have a hearing. But... Uh, no, they didn't. It, it got settled before that. And I just want to look at his contract. I'm pretty sure it was a three-year extension. Um, actually, a four-year extension. So they got something a little longer term with Miles Wood. So anyway, Evolving Hockey does a really, really good job of projecting contracts. For Jester Bratt, and I think they nailed the uh, nail on the head here for Bratt. They have him projected a three-year, $3.2 million contract, which I think is a pretty, pretty good uh, estimation here. 
Um, three years, three point two mil for Brat. What do you have to say, Chris? I mean, if you're if you're going to compare uh, anyone else that he may get, if you're going to compare anyone else on the team who has like a contract, that's something you would look at for Brat. Um, he played with Gusev most of the year. We saw how productive Brat and Gusev were together. Uh, Gusev is making four point five million, although he's about to enter the second year, yeah, the two year deal. So you can't really make comparisons between players yeah. like that just because Gusev's an older player and he's not coming off his rookie contract. Yeah, in most situations, which I'm sure you totally, totally agree and get, you want to more make comparisons of guys coming off their rookie contracts and what they got. A good comparison for me is the Miles Wood ordeal. Miles Wood is not the player Jasper Brad is, so you expect more money, mm. but I would expect a Brat a three or four year contract and three point two million, I think nails to uh, is is a perfect estimation. Wood's making two uh, two million seven seven fifty. So yeah, I think three point two is good. Won't sign for that, but I'm sure his agent will mention the fact that hey, you know these two were about on par with production. We want something closer to that. You know, I, I see no. it being brought up, but um, the three point two million sounds reasonable for Brad. Uh, you know, in that area, so. Yeah, and then for Mirko Mueller, uh, if they bring him back, Evolving Hockey has a one-year 1.3 mil estimation, espin, estimation for him. Jesus. And I think that's about right, too, if you bring him back. Mueller should not be a one-year deal. I don't see any more, anything more than that, as yeah. it shouldn't. Um, Mackenzie Blackwood, for whatever reason, Evolving Hockey didn't have any projections for goalies. Uh, Blackwood probably expect a three- or four-year deal, um, in my opinion. And I think his deal – you do like a three-year, maybe a little more than Brat, like a three-and-a-half mil, um, getting close to four mil. But I, it's not going to be anything crazy. It just comes down to the fact of getting a deal done, you know? Yeah. No, I had so. at, at that four million mark for, uh, you know, four-year deal. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's all we have here with restricted free agents. Luckily for the Devils, they really don't have any big names they're going to have to pay this offseason. So, uh, they could save up that money and put it elsewhere, which, they, uh, which they'll need as we move into our next segment of the roster overview and death chart. So, this is where it gets a uh, little bit – it gets fun here. So, we're going to basically go through, as I said before, um, Devil's Death Chart, and we're going to explain the players that are locked in, players that should be locked in, and players that will be fighting in camp. So we're go, we'll go by positional group. We'll start with the left wings. Um, left wings that, in my opinion, are locked are, ready, just Jesper Bratt. Um, <laughs> that's the only left wing I see locked in for a position. Then those who should make it, Miles Wood. Um, eh, you could probably put Miles Wood as a lock. Yeah, um, I was it, say, I'm sure yeah. Um, if not, Miles would be would be like that scratch guy. But yeah, I take that back. Got two locks. We got Jesper Bratt, Miles Wood. The should make it is Jesper Boquist. He's a left wing, so yes. I have him as my should make it candidate. Those who will be fighting in camp, I just have Yanni Kokkinen. He's a left wing, listed as a left wing. Um, as far as left wing goes. That's all I have here. I only have Quokinen, Brat, Boquist, and Wood that I examined and uh, listed. Do you have any more left wings on your list? No. Because um, everyone else is right side. Yeah, I mean, I expect Boquist uh, to be on the roster next yeah, year. Yeah, it should be. Um, so, you know, Quokinen will definitely compete for a spot as well. Um, Quokinen can play center as well besides left okay. wing. Boquist mm-hmm. has played all the forward positions. He'll play left wing, right wing, center, wherever you put him. So there, there's a little bit of flexibility there with those two as well. 
Yeah, so summary, we got Wood and Jesper Bratt as our locks at left wing. We got Jesper Boquist as they should be on the roster. Mm-hmm. And then we have Yanni Kokinen as one of the guys fighting in camp. We'll move to the center position, which is the Devils' by far deepest position on mm-hmm. uh, their roster. Locks, we got Nico Hishier, Jack Hughes, Travis Ajak, and Pavel Zaka. Those are my locks. Um, I don't have any should-bes. I have one fighting in training camp, and that would be Michael McLeod. So do you have any centermen I didn't uh, didn't talk about? I had Merkley also competing. Yeah, I have him listed as a right wing. So oh, okay. yeah. you can list him as either. But yeah, I have him. I have Nick Merkley as a right wing, but I have him listed as a competing for a roster spot as well. So. Gotcha. Yeah, Michael McLeod was the only other one I had. Of. I actually uh, fit Zaka on the left wing. So I don't know if he can play wing as well. He can. I'd much rather see Zaka play down the middle and lock down that fourth center spot. But, um, yeah, we'll see. So, right wing, we got our locks are Mr. Kyle Palmieri and Nikita, uh, Nikita Gusev. I don't have any should-bes, I don't think. You can maybe argue Joey Anderson as a should-be. I'm going to have him as a fighting out of training camp, and I'm going to have Nick Merkley as well as a guy fighting in training camp. Um, do you have anyone else I missed? I mean – you got Palmieri. Uh, and Goose. Yeah, Goose. Blocks. Uh, Brat as well. I mean, Brat plays left hand, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Anderson. He's definitely competing for a spot. I'm expecting, like, Boakvist that he'll have one. Like, he'll earn it. Okay, so you, you're having him as a should be. Yeah, I, I do think. Okay. I, I, I can see that. Um, yeah, I, I totally think he can make it as well. I just still have him as that fighting. Cause I don't know what's going to happen in free agency, but yeah, yeah I, I can see that. Well, part of it is we we just have. I think we have like the same group of players. We just have them organized differently. Like example, I have Merkley in the center spot, but you have him on the right wing. Yeah, but we both we're both in agreement that Merkley will be there. Anderson will be there at Fighting least, the spot. like highly competitive. You know, likely to earn a spot. So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have Merkley as likely yet, though. Um, he, I it's all about camp for him. He did show really good. He, he did show very well when he was up on the NHL roster for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's just it really depends how free agency goes, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I don't I think Nick Merkley is an everyday player just yet. I could be totally wrong, but um, who knows? So, yeah. Uh, we'll move to defense now. We'll split up into left-handed defenseman and right-handed defenseman. My locks for left-handed defenseman are Will Butcher and Ty Smith. Those are my locks. I agree. Yep. Um, Mirko Mueller is a lefty, correct? Uh, yep. I got to look it up real quick. Sorry. I'm a little bad. Bad, uh, bad radio right now. <laughs> um, Got to go to my my boys over at Hockey Reference. Mirko Mueller is indeed a left-handed shot. I'm right. I'm talking about this under the assumption that Mirko Mueller isn't brought back, but Mirko Mueller would be a guy that should be on the Devils roster come the season. He'd be a should-be type guy, unfortunately, but... That's Mirko Mueller. Frederick Lyson, I'll look him up as well. He is also a lefty, so I guess you could have him in a fighting first spot yeah. a training camp type deal. But, yeah, I got Will Butcher and Ty Smith as my locks. Mirko Mueller, if he is brought back as a should-be on the roster, probably as like a top-seven scratch guy. And then Frederick Clayson as a guy fighting first spot in camp. Who do you have? Uh, or you probably have the same players. Who yeah, do you have them I, as I like should-be locks? and Ty Smith as the locks. And then mm-hmm. basically everyone else is just competing for a spot. Clayson, Mermis, Carrick, Mueller, whoever. Um, 
I don't. Uh, Josh Jacobs. Well, Carrick's are right, righty, and so is Jacobs. They're righties. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking defense overall. Who yeah. is competing? But uh, so some of those other guys we mentioned <clears throat> earlier, like Ball and stuff like that. I think they're still a year off. They are Ball's so. definitely a year away. So we'll move to the right-handed side. Damon Severson and PK Subban are both righties, and they're both yeah. locks for the roster. Connor Carrick is a righty as well. I have him as a guy that's going to be fighting out of camp. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all I got here for D man. Am I missing anybody? I think we nailed them all, right? No, I think, I think we got them all. Uh, okay. And then last position group here is goalies, Mackenzie Blackwood, your lock. And then you're going to have Gilly Sen. I do not think he's ready. He should be in the AHL next year. So nothing for him. Corey mm-hmm. Schneider, it's all up in the air, but Mackenzie Blackwood's really the only NHL guy that we can really talk about yes. here, which is kind of funny, but yeah, Gilly Sen, I don't have him fighting for anything yet. He still needs more seasoning down in the AHL and Corey Schneider is just up in the air. What's going to happen there. So yeah, that's very much un- unknown. So we're going to talk now. We're going to kind of lay out the depth chart here. When you're looking at the depth chart, left wing, we'll start. You got Jesper Bratt, Boquist, and I have Miles Wood, right? So I have that second line Bratt, Boquist third line, and Miles Wood fourth line on the left side, just for the sake here. So for me, I see a hole in the Devils' top sixth left wing area. Do you, do you see this as well? We're just talking about left wings here. Yes. So you see a top six hole on the left side. Mm-hmm. forward group yeah centerman i see i have pablo zaka listed as a center i don't think there's any holes here down the middle um nico Hughes here jack hughes travis a jack pablo zaka is my center depth chart um you can argue if you want to slot zaka over to the left then you could fill in michael mcleod at center or if you bring kevin rooney back so i don't think they have any holes in the center yeah. group Right wing, I have Kyle Palmieri and Nikita Gusev, my top six. Their top six right wings, their strongest, I guess you could say, forward group. Um, you can argue to have Joey Anderson and or Nick Merkley as that Nick Merkley as that fourth line right wing. For the sake of this, I'm gonna say they have at least one, possibly two holes in their bottom six right wing group. I agree. You agree? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so agree. that's their forward depth chart. Me and Chris both agree we have one hole in the top six left side, and we have one to two holes in the bottom six right wing side. Center depth is good. Yeah, center, they, they have no reason to uh, <clears throat> go after any free agency. And again, like I mentioned with the seventh overall pick, Rossi and Perfetti would be great. But again, we're kind of already set at center, and that's well, where the whole best available versus need. I'll play. Yeah. <laughs> I'll play a little devil's advocate here. Travis Zajac Dunzo after this year, most likely. He's a oh, free agent. He's well, getting old. So then you open up a hole there. And in today's NHL, the better teams that are winning championships have a very, very, very good top to center lineup in their forward mm. group. You get scoring from all lines. Yeah. Just picture this. Nico Hutcher, uh, Jack Hughes, Marco Rossi. That three center is set for the next – 10 to 12 mm-hmm. years. And I would say oh. I don't think Zajac's done after this year. I think I think he gets re-signed, but it's not – he'll be like a fourth or third line center. Yeah, I, I really don't know if they bring him back just because, I mean, he's getting up there. And, I mean, they tried trading him. I know. Was that Chero that tried trading him or was that Fitz? Uh, I don't remember them trying to trade him. I think it was Palms they were trying to move. No, they tried they to trade – No, they tried to trade Zajac, but he wouldn't waive his no trade clause. Oh. Yeah, yeah I don't so, remember that. Yeah, they. Um, it was documented that they tried to move his Ajax, but he wouldn't waive his no trade clause, so they couldn't move him. 
So that's that gave me the hint that the Devils want to move on from Zajac, whether you like it or not. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's that. We can move on to defensemen now. So uh, left-handed D-man, you got Will Butcher and Ty Smith. I think that's a very solid. You got Butcher in the top four and Ty Smith as your third left-handed defenseman. That leaves, for me, a top four <clears throat> hole on the left side. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So we got a top four hole on the left side. Then the right side, you got Damon Severson and P.K. Subban. You got some guys fighting there for the last spot, but I have a hole in the bottom pairing right side. Yes, I agree. Okay. Goaltending, we both, I'm sure, agree that we need a backup goaltender on this yes. Devils team. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we do. Now, to bring this full circle, I know it's kind of hard because you guys aren't like actually looking at this. You're just listening to us blabble on and talk. But forward group, you got a top six hole on the left side. You got one to two holes in the bottom six group on the right side. Defenseman, you got a top four left-handed defenseman hole. Right-handed D-man, you need a bottom pairing guy. And then you need a backup goaltender. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six holes. So... Now, <clears throat> unfortunately, these holes won't be addressed in the draft because how the NHL is, you can't, for the most part, draft a guy and then be there day one. I don't see that really happening with any of uh, the Devils' possible picks. <clears throat> so I think you have to turn the free agency here, and that's more of what we're going to talk about next week. So, mm-hmm. so that's our projected depth chart as it stands right now as well as where the devils have holes and need to address with your free agency we're not going to talk about this episode who we think the devils need to sign rather we're going to just give a couple profiles that we wrote i wrote two of them so far chris wrote one we're going to keep producing them out um next week like i said is going to be who we think the devil should actually target but for this week we're going to talk about three unrestricted free agents one forward two defensemen evgeny dadanov and tj brody i wrote and alex petrangelo Chris wrote. So I'll talk about Dadanoff first. Uh, Evgeny Dadanoff, Florida Panthers unrestricted free agent, 31 years old. Left-handed shot, but he plays both left and right wing, which is big. Um, he's five foot eleven. He actually made his triumphant return to the NHL during the 2017-18 season. He spent a lot of time in the KHL. Dominated there, finally came back over to Florida. He actually, believe it or not, I didn't even know this. He played for Florida back, I think, 20. 20- 10 through like 2013, then went to the KHL and then came back. Yeah. So in these past three seasons, since he came back, he had a 65-point season, a 70-point season, and a 47-point season. Uh, keep in mind this year was a little abbreviated because of the COVID and all that stuff. So a little down year this year, but he still produced. Each year that was analytics have been fantastic. I know whenever I talk about players and analytics, it's eh, but I mean – Analytics tell a pretty good story, both offensively and surprisingly defensively. Uh, that and all, a decent player, which is good to uh, know. Goals above replacement is another fancy stat I love. It's a it's a really good, um, really good analytics stat. One of the better ones. So his gar goals above replacement. You this is like you keep adding it up. It's like war in baseball. You add it up each season. So I took it for the past three seasons. Dadanov's gar over the past three seasons in total is 36.0. Compare this to the likes of Tyler Toffoli, uh, Mike Hoffman, who's another unrestricted free agent for the Panthers, and even Kyle Palmieri. Dadanov's total gar is better than all three of these guys. Uh, Palmieri's gar was 32.6. This is in comparison to uh, Dadanov's 36. So the numbers are there. Dadanov produces offensively. He's a solid top six winger. Could actually play decent on defense 
Now the question comes to his contract. This is where it got a little interesting. I think Evolving Hockey, as I talked about, they do, for the most part, a really good job. I do not agree with their projection here. They have him projected out as a seven-year contract, which would bring him to 38 years old at $6 million. I don't see anyone offering that in off seven years. I think that's kind of yeah, silly. I would like to see where they are basing that off of. Yeah, the, the money amount's not bad. I think $6 million you could see. I think it is a little high, but I don't think that's all that crazy. Um, Dauber Prospects is another – or Dauber Sports Network is another place that does projections. They have him at a $6.3 million contract, which I think is a little too high. They don't have a term. For me, a projected contract for Dadanov, I think, is at most a four – Maybe five-year deal. Um, if he gets a five-year deal, it'll be a team overpaying. You should not sign Dadanoff to a five-year deal. That'll bring him to age 36. And I think Dadanoff has probably two to three more solid years in him. That's about it. So for me, an optimal contract for him would be four years at around 5.7 million, 5.75 mil. Maybe you creep up to six mil because it's only four years, which I would be fine The double signing Matt at like a four-year five, eight, maybe even six million dollar contract. Adenal is a really solid player. And like we just talked about, you got a hole in your top six left wing, he'd fill that perfectly. So um something worth noting on Dadanov. He is thirty one, so it's a bit of a concern there. Mm. You gotta be careful with term what you offer him. I think four years is okay. Not a lot of risks there. Maybe at his last year of a contract he's not doing all that hot, but I mean you pay for three solid years, that's perfectly fine. Also worth noting, he played at a 56-point pace this season, which is down from his 67-point pace he played at his first two years. I think that just had a lot to do with the Florida Panthers not performing as everyone thought they were going to do, and they're a little bit of a mess this year in terms of offense. But who knows? Um, I don't think you could read into it too much. His event stats were still pretty good, which is a good sign. So that's just something I wanted to note there. So um, you want to add anything on that off here before I move over to Brody? No, I mean, I, I think he's definitely a forward the devil should look into. Um, main theme being just don't overextend yourself, either with term or dollar. Um, I, I think he's he's been great. He's been playing with Florida. Uh, so it's kind of maybe gone under the radar a little bit. Um, I I don't see why the devil shouldn't at least inquire and do their homework and look into him yeah. as a potential possibility for helping out. Especially since they have a hole in their top six. Yeah. He, he's a top six forward, no doubt. So I'll talk about TJ Brody real quick, and then you can talk about Petrangelo. Um, TJ Brody is my favorite unrestricted free agent. He is my number one target for the Devils to uh, chase after. 30-year-old defenseman, um, left-handed D-man we talked about. Devils have a top four hole on their left side he's listed at six foot 185 pounds good size to him he's been in the league for 10 years now um all 10 years with calgary this will be his first year as an unrestricted free agent um career 34 point per season pace which is fine brody's game is more defensive he is a two-way defenseman though his offensive analytics are actually pretty good well above average uh the team is generating shot attempts and all that good stuff when he's on the ice what really caught my eyes is defensive analytics his expected goals against per 60, and especially his course against per 60, is well above the league average. He is terrific in suppressing opponents' chances, which, I mean, that's that's what you want in your defenseman. It's all about defense, right? Um, you look at his guard, too. It's better than Damon, Se- uh, Damon Severson and Tory Krug over the past three years. 
It's also comparable to Alex Petrangelo, not as good as Petrangelo, but it's it's not that far off, which is crazy to say. Petrangelo is an elite defenseman. Brody is a top four defenseman. Don't make any mistake about it. He's a good top four defenseman, mm-hmm. underrated in my opinion. And this evolving hockey project, uh, projection for his contract, it was only at three years, five million. If you could get TJ Brody at three years, five million, you do it without even thinking about it. I don't think it's only going to be a three-year deal. I could see it maybe a four or a five, given he's only a 30-year-old, which I'm okay doing because defensemen usually have a shelf life greater than forwards. So I think at 35, he could still pretty uh, be pretty productive. Um, if you could get him at a five-year deal, that means his the annual – Annual average salary is going to be even less, but I, for me, a good year, like good contract, be four years at like five point two mil type deal. That's my ideal contract, and like I said, he is my number one target for agency for Devils. You get him, your left-handed D-man, TJ Brody, Will Butcher, Ty Smith. I think that's a pretty good group there down the left side. So yeah, I mean, you and I have talked about it before. This this free agency defensive group is deep. It's it, there's plenty of guys that could help out the Devils. Um, TJ names Brody's may not be flashy, yeah, it, but TJ they're Brody's good. One of those names that's on that list. It's mm-hmm. it's a very deep pool of free agents on the defensive side this year. So so which is great for the Devils. They need defense. Yes. So. Um, yeah. So go ahead. Talk about. Give us a little insight about the probably number one rated free yeah, agent. Yeah. So the biggest fish in the market. Um, all right. So this article is not out yet as of the time we're recording this. It should be out Monday for you guys. Yes, we'll, we'll be so, out tomorrow. Uh, if you haven't read it, uh, I can't say whether I'm going to spoil it for you or not. You're just going to have to read it. Um, but I'll go over some of the basic points from it. So uh, obviously we all know who Alex Petrangelo is. I really don't need to tell you. Uh, Captain of the St. Louis Blues, want to stay in the cup. No big deal. Um, he's... <laughs> I know there's a lot of people who would love for the Devils to sign Petrangelo. Um, I think, and this goes back to the point I just made, it's a very deep group of defensemen in this year's free agency. You can get some guys that can help the Devils for not as much as you would have to pay or give term for Petrangelo. Because um, Petrangelo is is going to be looking for term, and he's going to be looking for money, and he's earned that right. He's, you know, this this is his right to, to go for that stuff, and by all means, go for it. I don't think it's smart for the Devils to get into it for uh, a few reasons. Um, I think that, one, there's, there's alternative options that are probably cheaper, shorter term, that help the Devils address the defensive need. Um, also, you know, we can't ignore the future either. Um, besides the Seattle expansion that's coming up next year, you know, eventually guys like Jack Hughes are going to get paid. Ty Smith is going to have to get paid. Um, it's just something you always got to factor into the future now that we have prospects, which, you know, for a while we never really had to worry about this. Um, the younger guys are eventually going to need to be paid. And we don't want to put ourselves into a situation like the Leafs where we're trying to you know, sell our, our cap space and we're giving away Marlowe, like Patrick Marlowe for a first round pick or something. Um, so that's why I, I wanted to kind of stay away from Petrangelo. It's nothing to do with how good of a player he is. He is a phenomenal defenseman, but I think there's just too many options for the Devils. Um, I, I think Petrangelo is going to get $8 million, to be honest. Uh, in free agency. 
I think um, he's going to get even more than that. It, I I would say so before the salary cap issue. I think because the cap is staying flat, he's going to get point. around eight million. He might get a Great little point. above. He might even get a little below, to be honest with you. Because I mean, granted, you never you, you know, never know what's going to happen. Yeah, with, I mean, you, what's you can, going on? You can look at the top defensemen in the league and what they're getting paid, and you know, keep in mind there's inflation and and state taxes and stuff like that. Yeah, no, but I mean, you got guys like. Um, Let's say John Carlson. Uh, who do I have here? Brent Burns, Jacob Truba. They're all making around eight million. Uh, Victor Hedman, Shea Weber, Ryan Suter. They're all just under eight million. Um, you know, and I, I could see Petrangelo falling somewhere in that range. There's not many players getting paid higher than that, other than like Eric Carlson. He's making like eleven million with the Sharks, and we all see how well that's going. Um, Rest in peace, the Sharks organization there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sharks on the cast. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's why I think the Devils will be smart to kind of stay away from this. Um, I, I think it's, you know, they could definitely poke their head in and see what the situation is. If they can get him for a reasonable reasonable term and dollar, I'd say go for it. But I just don't see that happening. Petrangelo is looking to set himself up nicely and he's earned that right. So. Yeah, Chris, me and you, we, uh, we're usually on the same page with a lot of things, and that's yeah. no different here. Um, Alex Petrangelo is, you said it, elite defense, and, but it just comes down to there's so many other, not yeah. better in terms of skill, but better in terms of value options. Um, Petrangelo, $8 million, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be surprised if someone pays them as much as nine mil per year. Yeah. He's 30 years old. He's going to get a ton of term. Um, there's just better options here. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's – Value-wise. We talked about TJ Brody, some other guys that are available. Justin Braun, Brendan Dillon, Radko Gudis, Joel Edmondson, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. The, the list goes yeah. on and on and on. There's tons yeah, of guys well, that are available. Uh, don't you worry, listeners. We're going to talk about e- almost each and every one of these guys as we continue here uh, yeah. with our off-season program. So you'll hear more about these guys. But, yeah, Chris, I uh, we'll post that on Monday so everyone will get to take a look. Word. That's all – that's all we have here. It's a very long episode. Yes. Uh, we haven't had an episode this long in a while, which is a good thing because we're uh, we're not planning to record until next week after the conference semifinals end. Mm-hmm. So what to expect from that episode is we'll give you a conference, conference semifinals recap. We'll do a conference finals preview and predictions. We'll throw a few more free agent profiles at you, and then we'll go more in depth about who's out there free agency wise. Um, we'll give you like a top twenty list. I actually posted my top twenty list um, to the Devil's Army page. You guys could go check that out if you want. Do a little cheating there. See see what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. We're going to really deep dive into the unrestricted free agents. Um, talk about who the Devil should target. We're going to end that episode with the – we like to call it armchair GM segment. We're going to fill out <clears throat> the holes in Devil's depth chart, say what moves we think they should make, and then present you guys with our optimal depth charts for next year. And they get so roasted. <laughs> hey, listen, we're great GMs, so we're not going to get <laughs> roasted. But um, yeah, that's what to expect for next week. Other things to look forward in the future now. Uh, like I said – we're probably going to go more in depth about free agents and where they all land like elsewhere outside of the devils. Next week we'll be more focused on devils specific guys. So we want to see the devils target. We'll talk more about like some guys the devils probably won't target, but the topper, uh, the higher level guys, um, we'll talk about those down the road. 
as I talked about earlier, we're probably going to have the episode, a full draft episode, breaking down NHL-Y draft-related stuff, good stuff like that. Um, and there's going to be a lot more coming up. We're getting excited. We're hopefully nearing next season of hockey. The Devils will be back on the ice come December, correct? Isn't that when the new yeah, season's think, supposed uh, to open up December 1st? I think no, uh, November is training camp, end of November, I think. Which is, which is absolutely insane because, like – we're in August, man. We're in September. We're basically in September, man. We're in Tomorrow's September. August 31st. <laughs> We're in September. It, it's so funny because, like, this is going totally off track now. It's so funny because this whole stuff started in March, right? It started the day of my birthday. It's funny. And how things happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> how things happen so quickly with sports being gone. It turned out for what? Sports gone like three months, then hockey comes back, and we're still playing hockey, and hockey's going to be back. Devils are on the ice in November, and it's yeah. September, man. So uh, fun stuff. We we appreciate all your listeners out there. We get to see how many guys or how many people are listening every week, and the numbers keep growing every week. We love you guys. Thanks so much for um, listening. We, me and Chris, we do this for fun. We, mm-hmm. we love talking Devils hockey. We love talking hockey. Um, we do it. We do this for you guys. Glad to hear you uh, see you guys listening along. So thanks for that. Hope you guys stay tuned. And we got a lot of stuff coming up with Devils off season, Devils next season. We're we're excited. Right, yes, Chris? very excited. So um, anything else, you guys, uh, Chris? You want to say? So let's go Devils as yes, as sure. always. So, all right, everyone, be safe. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Peace.